Getting you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Friday, January 5th, 2023. The Feast of Saint. Well... Honestly, I have no idea how to pronounce the name. I think it's Simeon. I was going to say Simon, but I think it's Simeon. I could be wrong about that. It's St. Simeon Stylitis. Stylitis? Stylos is in Greek. His name comes from the Greek word stylos, which means a pillar, because he spent most of his life on top of a pillar. Maybe you've seen some of those icons and thought, what is what is that guy doing? Well, I'll tell you. There is this, these icons where you see this man... And there's a giant pillar just sitting there. There's a man just standing on top of the pillar. And this is the story of that guy. So he was born near the northern border of Syria, and he began his life as a shepherd. But at the age of 13, that's 13 years of age, he heard a gospel passage. Blessed are they that mourn, for they blessed are the clean of heart. And that profoundly influenced him and led him to leave a life of solitude and a life of suffering and prayer. You see, he ended up meeting a wise old man who explained the gospel passage to him, showing that eternal happiness requires suffering and solitude to secure the path to attain it. So after years of various monasteries, he would travel place to place. He kept on getting visits from the populace, the people. They wanted to see this very holy man, this man who lived a great life. Because he was so holy, people sought him out for advice, for prayers, for miracles. And so he was tired of these constant visitors. And so he left. He left and wanted to be in complete isolation. So what did he do? He went over to a pillar and he climbed on top of it and stood there completely exposed to the elements, the wind, the rain, the snow, the heat, all of the elements he was completely exposed to a position that many might seek for admiration. However, he did it to flee from people. Now, Simeon's life was characterized by constant prayer, inviting others, especially those in our Eastern, the Eastern Catholics are the ones who have the greatest devotion to this saint to consider the importance of prayer, but also the value of solitude. This was admired in times past, but in our current modern world, we seek after distractions, our cell phones, the internet, TV, YouTube. We seek after constant noise and solitude allows for serious reflection and it is how we brought christian civilization so it is important though to note a difference between a chosen versus involuntary isolation because certainly whenever people feel alone they feel isolated that can always sometimes be a very negative thing but we can choose to have moments of isolation in order to give a gift to our Lord and our Lady, to give them our time, our love, our dedication, our meditation, 
This is a very important thing. And Our Lady will grant them an opportunity for humility, to detach from worldly things, and for spiritual elevation. So St. Simeon had the mission to demonstrate the value of solitude and isolation to the entire church, encouraging serious reflection and fostering a closer union with our Lord and Our Lady. So St. Simeon had this mission. So what should we ask from him on this, his feast day? Well, let us ask him to help us understand and have the taste for that kind of spiritual position so that we will be serious and achieve the union that we are called to have with our Lord and Our Lady. St. Simeon, pray Pray for for us. us. Joining us right now is Rudy Carlos. Good morning to you, Rudy. Rudy, guess what day it is. Today's Friday. We made it, baby. Let's go. Okay, that is true. Today is Friday. Okay, there's a secondary reason why today is important. Okay, guess the other reason why today is important. Okay, it's my birthday. Uh, no, right. it's not your birthday. That oh. passed. Okay, That's, never that mind. Was, no, it was a couple weeks ago, um, months ago. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It's your birthday? Not quite. It's, it's getting close, but not quite. Um, it's... The last day of Christmas? It's the 12th day of Christmas! <laughs> and what I still haven't gotten my birds, bro. You're, you know, all of the, the gifts for the 12 days of Christmas, they happen to be birds. I haven't received any birds at all. Well... Are they lost in the mail or something? Or? Rudy, I have to also say, there is a third reason why today is very important. Okay. I don't know. It is <laughs> National Bird Day. No way. It is. Is it really? Yeah, it just came up in my calendar. Oh, wow. It's, ter- <laughs> it's a terrible day to go birning today it is. here it's, in it, Houston. It's, it's raining outside. Uh, it is like egregiously raining. But uh, but yeah. it is bird day. Oh, so congratulations. It's also bath baby. day for the birds. And there you go. They, in honor of bird day, God made it in uh, Houston a giant uh, bird, bird bath. bath. <laughs> hey, let's go. Oh, man. I have an interesting story that I was tempted to bring in today, but mm-hmm. I mean, I'll just tell you really quickly. Okay. You know, you ever have trouble sleeping? All the time. All right. So I ran into an article on uh, at Atalea? 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 I never know how to say that. Atalea. 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 Correct me if I'm wrong here. You having trouble falling asleep? Well, yeah, I got an answer for you. You read through the article. It's like, well, guess what? There's monks and nuns all over the world. They're awake in the middle of the night. And, uh, you know, if you can't sleep, pray with them. Like, wow, okay, that... Uh, that doesn't help my problem. really wasn't a problem. <laughs> that wasn't a solution, but uh, all right. <laughs> I suppose you could. <laughs> well, there's also a fourth reason today is special. Oh, um, man, you're worse than my than my wife when I forget the uh, <laughs> forget our anniversary. No, I'm just kidding. I always remember our anniversary. Oh man! But, uh, well, our producer Tim Mott uh, very happily reminded me that tomorrow is Epiphany. It no is Epiphany way. Eve. That's right, Epiphany Eve. That's right. So we are going to be celebrating my friend. You know, normally my family we throw a Epiphany party on the feast of Epiphany. Mm-hmm. My friend was like, Adrian. Don't throw one this year. We want to throw one. So I'm going to be going to an Epiphany party this year. Nice. And uh, I'm excited to uh, not have to clean up and buy food and all those things. It's going to be great. So didn't have to twist my arm. Nice treat. Uh, So there you go. It's very exciting. I guess my invitation is in the mail. Never mind. Yeah, it's the it's actually (laughs) going to you by uh, Pigeon, actually, in honor of Bird Day. Carrier Pigeon. But the rain might stop your delivery. So it'll get to you. All right. It'll get to you. Uh Uh-huh. 
So coming up on the show today, we have at 15 past the hour, John DeRosa going to be talking atheist slogans. That would be a good conversation with people going back to school. And, and you always hear these things in college campuses and honestly in high school, middle schools nowadays too. So it'll be a great thing to talk about today. Plus, did you hear about the uh, school shooting that happened? A very major tragedy. So we'll talk about that coming up at 30 past the hour. At 43 past the hour, there is a famous celebrity that just became Catholic. We're going to talk about that as well. And in the next hour, the sin of blasphemy, a horrendous sin. We're going to talk about what the sin of blasphemy is and how you and I can make reparation for it today. So all these coming up today, so you're going to want to stick with us. And lastly, before we begin with our prayer, I do have to remind you, because tomorrow is Epiphany, it is the gift-giving season. Tomorrow is a day the three magi brought the gifts to our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's a day that traditionally many people in Latin America and Spanish-speaking countries would give gifts. And what better gift than to pay it forward. Rudy's giving me the look. He's giving me the look. Yeah, yes. Rudy. Um, we're gonna. You could win a brand new Mercedes Benz, not a Mercedes Benz, a Mercedes Benz, and Midnight Black. Is it Midnight Black? It's Night Black. It's Night Black. Close. Ah, I just like the word Midnight. I keep <laughs> saying Midnight Black, but it's Night Black and Night Black. And not only can you win, but you can actually have somebody else win. You can buy this ticket for somebody else as a gift. We could all call it Pay It Forward. We're trying to sell uh, 1,000 Pay It Forward tickets where you buy a ticket for someone else as a gift. And so far, we have 52. So nice. Uh, you're on the board. We're on the board. So join us, but let's begin with prayer. We're going to be praying the divine praises and act of reparation against blasphemies against the most holy name of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Blessed be God, blessed be his holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man. Blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be his most sacred heart, blessed be his most precious blood, blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar, blessed be the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, blessed be the great mother of God, Mary most holy, blessed be her holy and immaculate conception, blessed be her glorious assumption, blessed be the name of Mary, virgin and mother. Blessed be St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. You're listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are just some of your breaking news and headlines this morning. The Vatican responds to widespread backlash on same-sex blessing directive. Cardinal Fernandez said that the responses he's received from bishops' conferences around the world to the declaration highlight, quote, the need for a more extended period of pastoral reflection, and that what is expressed in these bishops' statements cannot be interpreted as doctrinal opposition, because the document is clear and definitive about marriage and sexuality, he says. The clarification was published two and a half weeks after the December 18th publication of Fiducia Supplicans, which prompted strong backlash from bishops from several African and Eastern European countries, as well as confusion and division from all over the world. The press release did not mention, however, anything about cases in which priests have already violated the terms stipulated in the Fiducia Supplicans declaration, which requires that blessings be spontaneous and cannot be a blessing similar to a liturgical rite, 
that can create confusion. Now, here's an update to a crazy story we mentioned a, like a while back, probably a year ago, actually. Alaska's snow crab season is canceled again for the second year in a row as population fails to rebound. When the season was canceled last year, there was a sense of confusion among the Alaska crab fisher community. Now, a sense of panic is taking hold in the state's fisheries, which produce 60% of the nation's seafood. It's just extremely difficult to fathom how we could go from a healthy population in the Bering Sea to two closures in a row, said one fisherman. The crisis first began in early 2022 after biologists discovered an estimated 10 billion crabs had disappeared. That's a 90% plunge in the population. And here's an off-the-beat story for you just to uh, kick off the weekend with a couple laughs. Uh, a couple was forced to do the unthinkable after a dog gobbles up $4,000 in cash. There was only one way to get that money back. The sealed envelope was full of 50 and $100 bills and had only been sitting on the, on the, uh, the kitchen counter for 30 minutes when the husband, Clayton, discovered tiny shredded pieces of bills strewn across the floor. While Cecil slept off his $4,000 meal, the laws uh, raced off to their vet, who quickly said the 100-pound pooch would more likely pass the cash without incident. The bank explained uh, later that they would take the bills back that had been taped together with the full serial numbers visible on the front and back, and that the Bureau of Engraving and Printing also requires that at least 50% of each note is identifiable. So put two and two together, they had to wait a while to get those uh, to get those bills back. But they didn't get all of that. And uh, they said, we couldn't be mad at him. He's a very lovable dog. People often tell us there's a human trapped inside our dog, which is hilarious that they still believe this dog has reason after <laughs> this incident. Now, those are some of your headline news this morning, but stay tuned on Catholic Drive Time for more. The Gospel of the Day comes from John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. We're going to talk about verse 50 here. Verse 50 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, thou believest. Greater things in these shalt thou see. And he saith to him, Amen, amen, I say to you, you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, this is a very interesting passage because Jesus is basically telling Nathaniel, Man, I just said that I saw you under the fig tree and I sought you out not knowing where you were and you were surprised by that. And yet, you're going to see some pretty awesome things coming up really, really soon. But what were the amazing things? It was the actually the church. It was the doctrine. It was not the miracles that he was referring to. That's cool too. But he was talking about the reality of the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Have you heard about life coaching? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. Coaching is one of the things Jesus did with his disciples. Whenever they were stuck, overwhelmed, or even struggling a bit, Jesus asked questions that brought clarity and hope. He then used ongoing conversations that helps them to navigate the path and completely change their lives. Just like the disciples, we too can find ourselves feeling stuck, overwhelmed, and struggling a bit. Maybe you need help in your marriage or with a parenting issue. You're navigating a loss, you want to improve your health, or advance your career. At StandTallToday.com, our experienced coaches will help you to take another look at life, renew your hope, get past those challenges, and step into living abundantly. You can find out more about coaching and schedule a free introductory call by visiting us at StandTallToday.com. Listen, life is too short to stay stuck. Contact us at StandTallToday.com. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason, your Wednesday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, presented by the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern, as we begin with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, followed by A Life Lived Joyfully. We're going to explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue. And be sure to call in with your questions during our open line segment. That number is 877-757-9424. That is 877-757-9424. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Praise be to God. It's good to be on with you today. It's especially good to be with you on this Friday, January 5th, National Bird Day. But more importantly, the Epiphany Eve. Yeah. Yeah, tomorrow, I mean, tonight, rather, is Twelfth Night. Thank you very much, Tim Mott, for letting me know that. I completely forgot that Twelfth Night was a Christmas play. And Is that really what it's called? Yeah, Twelfth Night, the Shakespeare play. Huh. Yeah, Twelfth Night. And it's about the Twelfth Night after uh, of the Twelve Days of Christmas leading into the Epiphany. And what does one do on the Epiphany, Rudy? Well... As for me and my house, we're going to give each other gifts. Amen, brother. And the best gift that you can give is the, the knowledge, this, this mm. opportunity, this, uh, this great privilege that we uh-huh. have uh-huh. of giving something that right. is going to keep Catholic Radio on the air. No way. You can do that by going to grnonline.com forward slash raffle. And you can pick up a raffle ticket for yourself, or maybe five. Each ticket is twenty-five bucks. If you want to save, you can get five for a hundred bucks, and you can get a ticket not only for yourself but somebody you love, somebody you know wow. who needs a car, a first responder, a priest, that guy down the block who is still driving his two thousand one Camry. <laughs> I'm not talking about myself. I can't win the car, but you can give it to me. But anyway, <laughs> you can pick up a ticket, pay it forward to somebody you love. And uh, go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to find out more information about the car. Well, there you Mercedes go. Mercedes-Benz GLB 250. Our goal is uh, 1,000 pay-it-forward tickets, and right now we have 52. So be number 53 and be generous during this Christmas season, especially the epiphany season. That's a, that's a great time. But we're going to move on to an amazing topic because I've, a lot of people are going back to school now. I just mm. found out yesterday that kids are already going back to school. I was thinking, I was looking at the clock, and I was like, it's only January 4th. Why are kids back in school? I thought they got off like half <laughs> of January. But kids are going back to school, middle school, high school, college. And it used to be the case that it wasn't until you got to college that people started throwing these atheist arguments at you. But now you're hearing it all through middle school, high school, and through university. And so joining us right now is John DeRosa. He is a high school mathematics teacher in New Jersey and an avid student of philosophy and religion. He contributes to the discourse on faith and reason through his website, blog, and podcast, Classical Theism, which I used to listen to all the time. Not that I stopped listening because I didn't like it anymore. I stopped listening because I got really busy with uh, with work, but I loved that podcast. And his latest work, One Less God Than You, tackles common atheist arguments. I guess it's not that new. I think the book came out about a year ago. Uh, but thank you for joining us, Mr. DeRosa. Hey, Adrian. Thanks so much for having me on this morning. I feel like 
I've already learned a lot in the past few minutes. I had no idea it was National Bird Day, and I'm excited <laughs> to discuss these slogans. Well, praise be to God. I'm glad I could uh, let you know about National Bird Day. Very important holiday, I would say. Uh, but, you know, people are going to college now, and they are heading back from winter break, and there are these slogans that people hear about from atheists that people are unaware of to respond to. Now, the number one that I normally hear during this time, there are the ones that are always, they're evergreen atheist slogans, but the one that's always relevant during this time, especially for the Catholics who want to say Merry Christmas all the way through February 2nd, uh, it's, well, isn't a God just like Santa Claus? So let's start with uh, that slogan right there, the claim that, that God is just Santa Claus. Um, what say you, John DeRosa? Yeah, so you'll hear this a lot, that God is just like Santa Claus for adults. And what I try to instruct people to do with my my book, that's actually one of the ones that appears on the back jacket as well, is don't try to do too much in your your initial um, response to these ideas. I think a lot of people can get confused and can get just, you know, paralyzed. And, you know, oh, man, I don't know how to come up with the best response that's going to automatically convince someone on the spot. What I try to train you to do is just take a step back in your approach and just try to start by asking a question. So if someone says, oh, God is just like Santa Claus for adults, you could just start with a simple question like, well, well hey, what do you mean by that? And have them follow, follow up and ask them, well, hey, how did you come to that conclusion? And what makes you think that God is just like Santa Claus? And by starting with a question, you take the pressure off of yourself and I know, uh, you know, young kids, and when I was in college, you, you feel a lot of pressure to try to win the argument. But I really do find that if you just start by asking a simple question, asking the person to clarify and expand, one, you can hear more where they're coming from. And then two, you know, while they're explaining, I bet you're going to come up with some, some additional ideas for how to respond. So let's say the person says, well, God is just like Santa Claus because uh, there's no evidence for God. You just believe it because your parents told you. And then I would ask that person, well, hey, what kind of evidence have you examined and and what do you think is wrong with it? Because I actually think there's a lot of good evidence for God. And just that small statement right there can kind of make the person think a little bit, oh, well, hey, well, what's that evidence he's talking about? Or maybe God really is different from Santa Claus. And then you can get into some of those good reasons, perhaps, that you've studied. A few that I mentioned in my book, the cosmological argument that you need a necessary being to explain all the possible beings in the universe the fine-tuning argument that you need an intelligent designer to explain why we have constants and quantities that are so perfectly ordered for the existence of intelligent life. But I'm not saying to launch into all of this right away. I'm saying you just start with a simple question, Adrian. Somebody says God is just like Santa Claus. You say, well, hey, tell me more about that. How is he just like Santa Claus? Why do you see that comparison? How did you come to that conclusion? And then you can point out the differences. Additional one, which you know is big if you listen to my classical theism podcast, and I'll turn it back to you is God is really nothing like Santa Claus because Santa Claus is, well, one, he's a, you know, kind of American folklore and, and creation based on Coca-Cola and legends that have, have spring, sprung up around St. Nicholas. You can go back to St. Nicholas. But two, whether you're talking about St. Nick, whether you're talking about the Coca-Cola version, you're talking about a creature. And a creature and a finite created being is just not what we mean when we use the word God. In classical theism terms, we're talking about the infinite necessary, uncreated reality, that which transcends all that exists. If Santa Claus were to exist, even in the story form, he's just some guy up at the North Pole. Or if you're going back to St. Nicholas, he too was a creature or a created saint. 
he's not that which can provide the ultimate explanation for all the reality that we see. So God and Santa Claus are really not comparable. But when you're starting out, don't try to launch into a diatribe. Ask those follow-up questions to get more clarity on the slogan. Amen. Amen. I, I really like the, the tactics that you're setting out. It's not simply just giving you, giving argumentation, but it's actually giving you very clear tactics of how to approach these conversations. Now, I know, Rudy, you had an interesting question because I always think this question is the biggest and best argument for atheism. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I've come across, uh, Mr. DeRosa. Uh, it's, it's the problem of evil. It, it just seems to be that a lot of the conversations I've had with atheists in the past have been, well, if, if God is so good, why is, why is all there, why is there so much evil in the world? You know, and I can't help but, but think that a lot of these arguments, uh, a lot of these uh, slogans that we're talking about uh, come from an emotional basis. Uh, what, what experience have you had with that? And, and what can you tell us for somebody who wants to, Maybe, maybe refute some of these claims a little bit. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great point that you bring up, and that is, I I too tend to agree that if you if you had to force them to just pick one argument to defend their view of why they think there's not a god, I think the problem of evil is definitely their top one, and it's the longest chapter in my book. The way I phrase it as a slogan is because a lot of times people just throw an example of evil in your face and say something like. Well, hey, anyone who's ever walked into a children's hospital and seen those kids suffering just knows down in their heart that there is no God. And like you said, you got to be um, gentle with this one. You have to be tactical and strategic because it does have such an emotional appeal. And you might be talking to someone who is going through something uh, in that moment. So you have to be careful about giving them too much just like philosophical and cold reasoning right away and also try to discern with the person where they're at. So. What, what I would recommend folks to do is, in that situation, you can either ask directly or just try to figure it out. Are they coming at this as someone who's going through a tremendous piece of suffering in their life right now? We kind of call that, I kind of carved that up into a distinction between the pastoral problem. You know, are they going through something right now and that's why they're really bringing up this problem of evil? Or, you know, are they in a philosophy class or are they an undergraduate or someone who's just, you know, perusing the Internet for, for justifications of atheism? And they really are viewing this as an intellectual puzzle that they don't see a solution to. So try to first bifurcate the conversation. Think about, is this person in front of me, is it likely that they're coming at this as a pastoral problem or are they coming at it as an intellectual puzzle? Because really we're going to answer those two things differently. If someone's coming to you with um, just that emotional difficulty, I'm really going to do my best to one, quietly pray for them, and two, you know, try to give them a little bit of Jesus Christ and a little bit of evangelism to let them know that, you know, I, I know this suffering is, is just tremendously difficult, and I'm so sorry for whatever you're going through, but um, I just want you to know that the, in, in Christianity and Catholicism, we worship a God who is not distant to your suffering. He actually, he, he came down, he knows your suffering better than I could, he knows it as well as you do, and he even suffered on the cross so to, to remind, and rose again from the dead, to remind us that this life is not all there is. So however tremendous that suffering is for you right now, I just want to offer you and, and let you know that, that we believe in a God who's not distant from it, but who's willing to be there for you. But let's say that's on one hand, the pastoral problem. You try to convey that as best as you can and gently as you can. With the intellectual problem, though, you've got to ask the person a question. You know, I'm big. Adrian brought it up before. The tactics, the strategies. Throughout this book, I'm trying to give you questions you can ask to move the conversation forward, not necessarily going to guarantee you win a knockdown argument, 
but will help promote a good dialogue and advance things. So ask that person, are they viewing the problem of evil as what the philosophers call a logical problem or evidential problem? But don't use those words because they may not even know what that, that's talking about unless they've studied this stuff. You might say, do you think it's impossible? Do you think evil makes it impossible for God to exist? Or do you just think evil makes it unlikely that God exists? And the reason I bring that up is because we're going to have different responses depending on where the person goes in that conversation. If they think that evil literally makes God impossible to exist or makes it impossible that God exists, that's a very strong claim. And I'm going to ask them, well, hey, how'd you come to that conclusion? Can you lay out more details behind that argument? And they might just say, well, if God is all good and God's all loving, then he wouldn't allow any evil in the world. We, we just, you simply can't explain it. And I would say, well, if you're making that strong of a claim, I don't think that's right, because if God wants to create loving creatures who are willing to and freely able to enter into loving union with him and with other people and meaningful relationships, then they have to have a significant, metaphysically substantial freedom to choose the good or to choose evil. And if God is going to permit his creatures to have such an ability so that they're capable of loving, well, then it does seem that at least some evil needs to be possible because some people are going to choose wrongly. What do you think about that? Mm -hmm. And then get their response. Because I think some people don't realize how strong of a claim it is to say that it's impossible. And I'll tell you, if if I I have one more minute. No, we're just about out of time. Oh, we're just about out of time. So that's the logical problem. There's a lot more details in the book. But thank you so much for for asking that question. No, praise be to God. We're just about out of time, Mr. DeRosa. They'll definitely have to pick up the book if they want to get the the rest of that argument. And I can't recommend it high enough, especially for a college student, especially coming up in the epiphany. A gift-giving opportunity. So maybe check it out. One Less God Than You and John DeRosa. You can pick it up wherever good Catholic books are sold. And speaking of gift-giving, you can always go to grn forward slash raffle, grnonline.com forward slash raffle to buy a raffle ticket. Pay it forward. You can buy a raffle ticket there. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Catholic Radio was there for me when I needed it. Even though I didn't think I needed it, it was there for me. I want everybody to know that I'm giving not so that I can sit there and say that I gave to GRN for any other reason but this. I want that radio station to be there for anyone else who needs it also. They may not think they need it, but it's going to be there for them, whether it's in the future, whether it's right now. I want that radio station to always be there for them, just like it was there for me. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Many atheists assert the only real form of knowledge is scientific knowledge, thus excluding any sort of religious knowledge, whether philosophical or theological. Such a belief is called scientism, and it's unreasonable for two reasons. First, it's self-refuting. Its truth cannot be verified by the scientific method. It's a metaphysical proposition, and as such, is not scientific knowledge. But if science can't verify the truth of scientism, well then, scientism itself cannot be a legitimate form of knowledge, in which case, it's self-refuting. Moreover, scientism undermines science as a rational form of inquiry, because it denies presupposed philosophical assumptions that are necessary to even do science, such as, there's an external world outside the minds of scientists. So, to reject God's existence on the grounds that it's not scientific knowledge is simply unreasonable. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. 
Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos here. More breaking news and headlines for you. This one's not really breaking news and headlines, but it's an interesting story on Epiphany Eve. And the article comes from the National Catholic Register. It's written by Monsignor Charles Pope, who has a show here on the GRN. You can check that out. A Life Lived Joyfully. Now, the title of the article is What the Magi Can Teach Us About Adoring Christ. With what little information they give, the Magi set out and continued to follow the call of God through the star. Notice, too, that they prostrate themselves before Jesus. The Greek word used here is uh, prosekunisa, which means to fall down in worship or to give adoration. So this is more than just worldly honors. This is the adoration of faith. The text says, And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. These wise men are walking differently now. They are not going home the same way they came. They've changed direction. They've turned around, which is the more literal meaning of conversion. They are now willing to walk the straight and narrow path that leads to life rather than the wide road that leads to damnation. No longer mere magi, but now wise men. I encourage you very much to go and check out this uh, article on the National Catholic Register. Read the whole thing in its entirety. Wonderful, wonderful uh, writing by Monsignor Charles Pope. And check out uh, Life Live Joyfully here on the GRN every day at 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. Now, here's another article. This is uh, more breaking news. Pro-life victory in Texas. Arizona Governor uh, Katie Hobbs Tuesday. Oh, excuse me. I think I misplaced that article, but uh, I'll bring it up a little bit later. But those are your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Now, there is, I just got news. And so, mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. There is actually a fifth and sixth reason why today is special. Oh, okay. I know. So wow. I, it's, it's a big day today. It's a big day today. Wow. So first, today's Friday. So it's okay. Friday. All right. Okay. Second. Time to party. It is the eve of the epiphany. Okay. Third, it's the 12th day of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth, it's National Bird Day. Mm-hmm. Fifth, it's First Friday. First Friday. It You're is right. First Friday. Wow. And tomorrow is first Saturday. Huge. So fifth and sixth. So try to make it a Holy Mass today. If you're able, find a Holy Mass today that you can attend and go to adoration, receive communion, pray the rosary today and tomorrow, fulfill the first Friday and first Saturday devotions. That would be an awesome thing that you could do today to make reparations for sins against the Immaculate Heart of Mary and the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So, praise be to God. I was just reminded that by Kathleen on our Rumble chat. So, hey, thank you very thanks, much. Kathleen. Yeah, very much appreciate it. I always forget to bring it up. I always, like, remember at the beginning. I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to mention First Friday, and then it slips my mind. So, praise be to God. Now, there's something I need to mention here. Mm-hmm. My computer just kind of bugged out, and I lost that article that I was going to mention. So, let me just tell you about this pro-life victory in Texas. Okay. Speaking of things I got to tell you. A federal appeals court this week rejected an appeal from the pro-abortion defendants in the lawsuit Texas versus Becerra. The ruling means that Texas can uphold its pro-life laws and not need to be legally required to adhere to pro-abortion federal laws issued by President Joe Biden in 2022. So, that's the massive pro-life victory dub super dub here in uh, in texas as the uh, the young kids say it's they say dubs right they still, still say dubs. i don't know they got pwned <laughs> is that still a thing <laughs> probably not but thanks be to god that was a uh, that was the the article that slipped past 
I haven't been up to date with slang in a long time. True. I feel old now. <laughs> it's insane. There you go, folks. All right. So there was a story that came out yesterday, and I only saw it this morning. So it's a little bit late news, but it's still not too late to to respond accordingly to the story. So the headline from Catholic Vote is Pause and Pray Iowa Diocese Responds to Perry School Shooting. The Iowa Diocese of Des Moines called for all people of goodwill to pause and pray for the children, the parents, and the educators in response to a school shooting that took place on Thursday morning in Perry, Iowa. Five people were injured and one sixth grade student was killed in a shooting at Perry High School on January 4th, according to local news outlet and Des Moines Register. Uh, police did not identify the victim, but the register has confirmed Principal Dan Marburger as one of the victims who was shot, DMR reported. The diocese responded to a statement on January 4th, quote, Today we learn of a school shooting in our community of Perry, Iowa. We call on all people of goodwill to pause and pray for the children, the parents, the educators, the first responders, the medical staff, and the entire community of Perry. May God's spirit be with those directly affected by today's tragic events and with all of us on this day of deep anguish and grief. According to DMR, the suspect 17-year-old Perry High School student Dylan Butler died from an apparent self-inflicted gunshot wound in the school. Assistant Director of the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation Mitch Mortvet said at the afternoon news conference, police found an improvised explosive device in the school which the Iowa State Fire Marshal disarmed. DMR reported, The suspect was armed with a pump-action shotgun and a small-caliber handgun. The school, the shooting happened at the high school, which shares a building with the middle school. There was a breakfast program in the lunchroom, so there may have been students from both schools there at the same time. The police believe that he acted alone, and DMR added that FBI agents from Omaha Des Moines office are assisting with the investigation led by the Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation, end quote. So that's the story from uh, the CatholicVote.org, CatholicVote.org. And the major takeaway here is twofold. One, we should definitely be praying for everybody involved in the situation. A absolutely horrendous event, something that needs prayers and support. And so we definitely will be praying for them. In fact, I say we, we offer up a, a Ave for those involved currently and those, especially those uh, who, who were wounded, who were harmed, for the families involved, and for the children that they be able to recover uh, from this, this tragic event. So we'll pray a Hail Mary for, for those people. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. And the second thing is directly related with Our Lady of Sorrows. That we were talking about this with John DeRosa, is that there is the, the mystery of suffering, right? At many times, these bad things happen. And it's confusing to us how they could happen. And like John was talking about in the last segment about there is the pastoral problem of evil and then there's the philosophical problem of evil. The pastoral problem of evil 
is easy to dismantle from a theological perspective, but that's not why the argument has such weight. The reason why the argument has such weight is because it pierces the hearts. People sit there and they're thinking to themselves, how could this happen? How could this, how could God let this happen? It's a lack of understanding of why something bad would happen to good people or to people that seemingly don't deserve it. And it's a difficult thing to overcome from an emotional standpoint. And we have to recognize that people have free will and they can abuse that free will by doing evil things. It's certainly the case that free will is not for doing evil. Free will was given to us as a gift. It was a gift that God gave us to love him, to know him, and to serve him. That was why God gave us free will. That's the purpose, the end to which it was given to us. But just like any gift, any object, anything, you can abuse these gifts. And just as someone gives you... mm, let's say, some food to eat as a gift, if you decide to use it as, I don't know, laundry detergent, stick it in your on your washing machine, it's going to make your clothes kind of gross. And why is that the case? Because you're using something to an end to which it was not made for. And so God gives us this great gift of free will, not making us robots or automatons or AI Instead, God makes us human. He makes us be able to make choices, to choose between right and wrong. And sometimes people make evil decisions. And when they do, the unfortunate consequence is that no sin is a private sin. Some sins are more public than others, but no sin is private. Everyone's sin affects someone else. And we suffer the consequences for other people's sins. God doesn't punish people for the sins of others, but you do have to face the consequences for them. You do have to face the situation that they put you in. And that's a tragedy. It's sad. And so we should pray for those who suffer. We should recognize the suffering. But the opportunity there is that we can unite ourselves with the sorrowful mother. She who her son, the most just, most innocent above all, suffered and died on a cross so we can find comfort in our lady of sorrows we'll be right back this is dale alquist with a chesterton christmas minute since we are all children we all associate christmas with christmas presents gk chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. 
Hi, I'm Adam Bly with Debbie Giorgiani from The Spirit World. This Saturday, we are live, taking your calls as we plan ahead for the new year. Please call in and share how you are spiritually preparing for 2024. That's Saturday at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Visit grnonline.com slash spiritworld. Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Happy Friday. Happy First Friday. Happy National Birthday. Have a Merry Christmas. It's 12th day of Christmas to be specific. And remember, tomorrow is Epiphany and First Saturday. What more can we ask for? So, uh, what are you up to this weekend? Oh, well, you know, just, just a little of this, a little of that. A little of everything. It's a big, <laughs> it's a lot going on. It's a lot going on. I'm really excited for it. I'm debating with myself. I'm like, okay, should I go to mass in the morning mm. or mm-hmm. sleep in and then drive like 45 minutes to go to mass in the morning? Because <laughs> the closest mass to me only has morning mass. But then the next closest church is pretty far away. And the, the one that has it at, at noon. And so I'm like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? I think I'm going to wake up early and go to mass. I don't think I want to drive all the way out there. So mm. we'll see how that goes. What are your plans for the weekend? I would love to know. You can let me know. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. You can shoot me an email there and let me know what your plans are for the weekend. Or better yet, you can join us on Rumble. Look up Catholic Drive Time on Rumble and you can leave a comment there. And I would love to know what your plans are for the weekend. Are you going to go to First Friday for Saturday? Do you have any epiphany party plans, any epiphany celebrations? I would love to know what your plans are. So praise be to God for all of that. Okay, on to this story. There was a famous celebrity who did an interview with a prominent bishop, and it made huge stirs whenever that interview came out. Do you remember who that was, Rudy? Yeah, something about uh, LaBeouf. LaBeouf. Is that his last name? Leboof? It sounds like something I would say. You know, like... Because I can't uh, pronounce any De, names. Debrayboof? The, Debrayboof? Uh, I don't know what that the, is. The North American Martyrs? Oh. Oh. Is that... was What is the name of the North American Martyrs? It's not that, right? No, one of them was. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Okay. Uh, maybe? I have no idea. You're <laughs> asking the wrong person. You're asking the wrong, <laughs> <guy>. <laughs> the wrong person. But no, Shia LaBeouf uh, actually became Catholic. So Praise he, be to God. Yes, amen, amen. So he actually was confirmed, and so now he is a, a full-blown Catholic. Card-carrying. Card-carrying. They gave him the card. So Did now he, he get can, the slap? He gets to carry it around. I don't know. Probably not. I uh-huh. assume not. He was um, confirmed by Bishop Barron. Bring back the slap. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Bring back the slap. It shows that you are a soldier of Christ now. And so you get a little tap on the face. That's not like someone's like, Whack! I just realized. I just realized since it's so out of out of common, it's not common anymore. That some people are like, "What do you mean the slap?" Well, it used to be that during the confirmation ceremony, the bishop would slap you in the face, and like Adrian said, it wasn't like a full blown slap in the face. It It was was like a tap tap on the face. Yeah, and it's meant to represent, "Hey, look, the world's going to rough you up. The world's the world's going to it's going to try and and unnerve you a little bit here." But now you're a soldier for Christ, and you have to stand up for the faith. It's a responsibility for you now. Boom. Slap on the face right there. Mm-hmm. Amen. Old chap. There you go. Remember that. 
And I think it's good to to keep that in mind. But, you know, the thing that I wanted to bring, the reason why I wanted to bring the story up is not so much to just say, oh, yeah, Shia LaBeouf became Catholic, but to kind of give a hesitancy. And we should never question people's conversion, say, okay, was it, was it true that they converted? And so that's not what I'm doing. Instead, what I'm doing is saying, let's not put him on a pedestal. Mm. And that's what I'm saying, because this is a very common problem that your average Catholic kind of has a tendency to want to do. We see someone who's famous and that becomes Catholic and we want to put him on a pedestal and say, oh, yeah, look, look, look that per- famous person's Catholic. And it's good that they're Catholic, praise be to God, and we should pray that they persevere in their faith. They're in a horrible world, Hollywood, and that's not a great place to be, to just be a faithful Catholic. And so, yes, we should be happy that they become Catholic, and yes, it's perfectly fine to bring it up in conversation, but we should be very careful not to set them up as an example of the faith. Maybe if after five years of living the faith, they have consistently shown that they can resist temptation and be firm in their faith and maybe we could say okay well that person is a good example of the faith but placing them up on pedestals can be very dangerous because we've seen in times past where things like this happened and it's because the great scandal for people yeah exactly especially because they're a public figure you know? right just like you and me to a certain extent we're like very niche micro <laughs> micro celebrities you know and and people kind of see our life and we share our life with them on air or off the air and they might see us and say, oh, look, they're the example. Look, do you, you, you don't even know me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you have no idea the kind of spiritual battles That's that I'm true. going you through. You definitely so. do not want to have Rudy as a role model. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's a danger, right? And mm-hmm. um, I think for, for celebrities too, you know, we, uh, I think we want to have them as our champions and uh, and we forget that they're just they're people like you and me, and they have their own their own struggles. They have their own joys. They have all their whole their whole life ahead of them. Especially Mr. LaBeouf. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to keep in mind because it's a natural tendency of man to want to have elites. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not bad. The problem is because our current culture has knocked down all the elites. We have said we got to get rid of the monarchies. We got to get rid of the aristocracy. Anyone who is of of nobility. And analogous elites, all those people need to go away, be gone with them. And so what happens? Well, we raise up new elites. So then we get these politician worship and people are on team uh, this, team that. And they start raising up celebrities as their role models. And this is a, a perversion of the authentic idea of elites. Because the authentic idea is nobility and the analogous elites. There was a great allocutions from Pope Pius XII that he gave to the nobility in Italy. And I highly recommend people read it because he told them, you guys are nobility. You guys are analogous elites. You guys are elites and they people look up to you. So you must be virtuous. You have to hold yourself to a higher standard to be better in their public display. And this is very important because people will look to you and say, okay, This is the way I need to be. This is how I need to dress. This is how I need to act. And so immediately I was very upset because Shia LaBeouf, when he got confirmed, he wore a collared shirt, not even a button-down shirt, but a collared shirt, jeans, and tennis shoes to his confirmation. 
is, is that your Sunday best? Like, what are you showing the world? What are you showing all the people? And people will often make the argument when they see people dressed that way. Well, you don't know. Maybe they're poor. Maybe they don't have any money. Is Shia LaBeouf poor? Does he have no money? Didn't he just do a movie? And doesn't he just sign on for another movie? He's working on a movie on John F. Kennedy. You're saying he doesn't have any clothes? He doesn't have a button-down shirt, a tie, some slacks, some dress shoes? And so this is important. This is important for us to keep in mind whenever we have these kind of things happening. That these people who raise themselves up as elites should give a good example. And so this is why we have to be wary whenever people come this way. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be happy that he converted. So not saying that we should not pray for him. And I'm not saying that we should say, oh, I'm against Shia LaBeouf. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that we should look to the saints as our examples. That we should raise up the saints as the imitators of which we want to be able to model ourselves after. And so whenever these things, anything happens, if, some, if something happens, God forbid, with any celebrity, and whether it be a Hollywood celebrity or a Catholic celebrity, we can, and by Catholic celebrity, I mean like in the Catholic sphere, like in, in EWTN and GRN or anything like that. Don't put them up as pedestals. Don't make those people your idols because people fail. People make mistakes. People do bad things. And we don't want to be scandalized because of it. We don't want to be scandalized because of the sins of man. Our Lord Jesus Christ is holy. The one holy Catholic and apostolic church is holy, not because of its members, but because Christ is the mystical body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And so that is why we raise up the church as something that we want to imitate, the perfect society. That's very important for us to keep in mind when we go along, when we see these kind of stories pop up. So let's pray for Shia LaBeouf that he stay firm in his faith, that he be strengthened in his faith, and he continues down the road that he's on, and that he increase into ever-increasing devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary and have his heart conformed to the Immaculate Heart, and may the same be true of you and I. Okay, so one other story that I want to cover, and it kind of is in the same vein, is there is a, and I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to promote this group, there is a a right-wing clothing company that was released recently that's being promoted by many conservatives, and it is promoted for feminine clothes. I'll read you their, their about us. Blank is a Effortless yet edgy lifestyle brand for women. Fun and feminine clothes are the foundation of what we do, but our deeper purpose is to give free-thinking women a chance for self-expression through fashion-forward silhouettes and eye-catching accessories. And I'll leave uh, the about us there. If you actually go and see the shirts and clothes they're trying to sell, it's incredibly immodest. It's incredibly immodest. And these are the people who show themselves up to be conservatives, to be our elites, to be people that we want to imitate. And they're selling immodest clothing. We don't be conservatives by wearing immodest clothing. We don't defeat the revolution, defeat the encroaching sexual revolution, the encroaching satanic revolution. We don't defeat them by caving into what they want, 
That's not how you win. We have to have a counter-revolutionary mindset. We have to have a modesty, purity. Purity is the answer. And there was a story that went around around Christmas time, around New Year's and Christmas, of the beer company Conservative Dad that was promoting a bikini model calendar of conservative women. And I'm thinking to myself, how on earth is that conservative? What exactly are we conserving? This is why I don't identify with these parties. This is why I don't consider myself a conservative. I always think about the G.K. Chesterton quote where he says, progressivists are really good at messing things up and conservatives are really good at making sure they never get fixed. And that's exactly right. Because the conservatives are defending a position that's just 10 years old, maybe 20 years old. They're defending the fashions of 10, 20 years ago. And this is a very bad thing. This is not a blessing at all. And we should resist this. We should not promote these things just because they call themselves conservative, just because they say that they are for the right, just because they claim to be Christians. We should not promote these ideas. Instead, we have to promote a truly counter-revolutionary ideas, a return to order, a restoration of Christian civilization. We should carry the banner of St. Joan of Arc shouting, purity is the answer. Purity is the answer. So let's do that today. Let's fight for Christ the King. Let's fight for Our Lady. And let's fight for purity. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time right after this. Merry Christmas, everyone. Feast of the Holy Family. In its original establishment, the Holy Father wished to emphasize the primary role of parents as educators for their children. Later, the feast was transferred to what we celebrate now, the Sunday after Christmas, to commemorate the hidden years of Christ's life. In this time of festivities, in this time of great joy, we may experience a little bit of the brokenness of our families. And this may seem to put us at odds with today's feast because we see the Holy Family, perfect in every way, and our broken families. May I suggest this? We are called to imitate the Holy Family, not in their perfection. Perfection comes by being transformed by God. But we can imitate the Holy Family by their presence. Joseph was present to the Blessed Virgin as she was present to him. And both of them were present to their son, as Christ was present to them. The question is, how do we become present to one another? How do we delve deeper into the reality of family? Because remember, family does include the nucleus, the father, the mother, and the children, but also includes the community around. Family is a dynamic reality that we're called to enter more and more into. Let us celebrate being members of the family of the church and imitate the Holy Family, not by perfection, but by presence. Two Minutes to Virtue is a production of the Catholic Diocese of Arlington, Virginia. For more information, visit their website, arlingtondiocese.org. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
This is Sarah Soto, Thursday host of A Life Lived Joyfully, where we explore the call to holiness and the life of virtue, inviting you to join the program daily at 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Guadalupe Radio Network. You can also listen to us on your smartphone by downloading the Guadalupe Radio Network app from the App Store or Google Play. We hope you can join us. God bless you. Merry Christmas! This is Santa Claus. This is Santa Claus talking right now. Merry Christmas to you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Merry 12th day of Christmas, otherwise known as 12th nights. Maybe that's the tradition. Read 12th night on the 12th night. How many pages is that? Uh, well, you can. It's a play, so it's done like an hour and a half. So you can read it in a day, clearly. So because if you I'm, go to the play, I'm a slow reader. The whole thing is read to you. So that's true. Just maybe go, go to the play. Instead. Go to the play. I mean, <laughs> if you want to go see it, go, maybe I'm sure there's like a movie version you can see online somewhere. Uh, but maybe the fun thing to do, we get the family together and you just do a dramatic reading of it. Sit around the table and do a dramatic reading of Twelfth Night on the Twelfth Night. That'd be kind of fun. Everybody's like, that does not sound like fun to me. Hmm. He's like, you're obviously a theater kid, Adrian. <laughs> hmm. You don't have kids. <laughs> I do not have kids. That's true. That is true. I do not. That is a, uh, a factual statement. But today is the 12th night. Tomorrow is the epiphany. So we can, in fact, continue celebrating. We can continue giving gifts. And one opportunity of a gift, one suggestion for a gift for the epiphany might be a pay-it-forward opportunity. What is a pay-it-forward opportunity? Well, if you go to grnonline.com, forward slash raffle you can go there and purchase a raffle ticket for what you may ask well you can buy a raffle ticket to win a brand new mercedes-benz in night black and you can buy it for someone else you can pay it forward you can buy a raffle ticket for somebody else that they can win a car maybe someone that you know that needs a car is looking to get a new car or would like to get a new car but can't afford one maybe the gift for epiphany would be to buy a raffle ticket for them a pay it forward campaign right rudy and maybe the car isn't the the final destination right mm. maybe it's the friends we made along the way because ah. you're going to be making friends whether you know it or not because every dollar that you contribute to this car raffle it keeps the guadalupe radio network afloat and we hear all the time during our share drives you know hey this this station changed my life this station saved me from a, a very, very perilous situation, problem of evil, right? And every single day we get this wonderful opportunity to be on the air because of our, our, our listeners. So consider a pay it forward uh, ticket, but uh, know that you're giving us a gift as well and many, many other people a gift as well. grnonline.com forward slash raffle. There you go. grnonline.com forward slash raffle. How do you spell raffle? R-A-F-F-L-E? That's right. Okay, I'm really bad at spelling. I rely way too heavily on spell check. I don't <laughs> know what I would do without spell check. Yeah, go to that website and check out the car. It is a really good looking car. It's very spacious. If you have a family, man, think, just think about it. Just driving down to church in that car. Oh, it's going to be super comfortable. Do you ever get um, 
Car sick when you drive? No. Never? Never. Really? Never. I, I almost never get car sick, but when I was driving in this like 16 passenger van, not great suspension. And that's the first time I felt so car sick. So it depends on where you're sitting. If you, I, I think if you're right above the axle, you're mm. more likely to get sick. Interesting. If you're forward or behind the axle, then you're fine. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I kind of was getting sick, and it kind of reminded me of – actually, right of you, you, Rudy. You're thinking, what? what? What does that mean? Because I'm so sick. Yeah, because you're, you're sick, so bro. You're so sick, dude. Well, because I actually I was getting queasy. I don't normally get queasy. I don't really. Stomach doesn't really hurt. And my, for some reason, I thought of you because you would always tell me that you get sick when you hear blasphemy. Oh man, that's real. I'm not being hyperbolic. I know I'm hyperbolic sometimes. Not actually. I get a pit in my stomach when I hear people blaspheme. Oh, it makes me sick. Oh, and it makes me even sicker too to think of like. Because uh, for me, I have a very g- a great devotion to the holy name and, and to the holy face now, uh, thanks to so many different people. But I know at that moment when I hear that, I have to correct it. Mm. And sometimes I feel sick because I have to, like, correct somebody I love, right? And that's, like, always the worst thing. So I'm like, I'm about to tell you something. Look, you probably shouldn't be saying that because you're active saying a blasphemy. Maybe you're not thinking about it as such, but – you're you're actually dragging the holy name of Jesus through the mud. And now I have to come in and, and pick up that name, clean it up, put restore it back to its its luster here and tell you this is a name set above all other names. It's a very special name. It's the name of God. And we have to we have to uh, revere that name. We have to make sure that we're uh taking taking time to think about what we're saying. You know, I always wondered. I want if anybody knows, please let me know. The answer to this question. The, why is it that the Spaniards are the only ones that deign to take the name of our Lord? <laughs> like, there's no other, like hardly any other cultures that will take the name Jesus. And they will take the name and they will use it as a, as a name for their kids. And I don't think any other culture does that. I wonder if there's like a special relationship there, special privilege or special something that exists. That's true. I always wonder about that. But you're right. I mean, this this blasphemy is so bad and people don't realize how bad it is. Mm-hmm. When St. Thomas talks about blasphemy, he says that blasphemy is one of the worst possible sins you can commit because there's no reason to do it except out of hatred for God. Mm-hmm. He said whenever you do other sins, like if you steal something, yeah, it's evil, but there's a perceived good there. You see, like, okay, I want that, and I'm going to take it. And so there's a perceived good, even though that it's not good to steal. Same thing he says, like, with murder. You don't want the person there anymore. You're, you're trying to get rid of them. And so you go and you kill the person. Then every other sin, he says, there is a perceived good that you are trying to get, that you want, in lust, in adultery, in every, all the seven deadly sins. There is a perceived good. But with blasphemy... You get nothing from it. You gain nothing. You say these words and you curse God. And what do you gain? It's pure malice against God. And so people will wonder, okay, okay, then what is blasphemy more specifically? Okay, how do I avoid blasphemy? So blasphemy literally means to to injure, to injure someone's reputation. And so this 
used to be applied to just anybody. You could blaspheme against me. You could blaspheme against Rudy. You can blaspheme against the emperor, so on and so forth. Over time, it took on a very specific meaning that's regards to God. So Suarez, who was a famous Jesuit, said that the, the word blasphemy, as we understand it today, is any word of maldiction. So maldiction meaning like an evil word. A reproach or contumely pronounced against God. It is to be understood as well that whenever we say against God, it's referring to God his saints, and his, his holy things, so the church. So he, for, Suarez says, it is to be noted that according to the definition, blasphemy is set down as a word, for ordinarily it is expressed in speech, though it can be committed through thought or an act. So you can do something, you can make an action that is blasphemous against God. So like, for instance, you can curse God by saying bad words to God, or if you throw up the middle finger or shake your fist at the air and the, you're, you're doing it with the intention of being against God, then you did an act of blasphemy. So it's being primarily a sin of the tongue, however. It will be seen to be opposed directly to the religious act of praising God. So it's a sin against the virtue of religion. The second thing to be noted is that it is said to be against God through this maybe only immediately because it can be done by insulting his saints. So mediation. So just like you can pray to the saints and that's a mediation. You can blaspheme against God by insulting the saints, sacred things, or people who have relationship to God. So like insulting priests and religious in such a way, it can be a blasphemy against God. So people who speak out against religious orders and things like that, obviously criticizing particular persons because of things they do is fine. But to insult the priesthood or religious life or a religious order as such would be a blasphemy against God. Now, there are three kinds of blasphemy that are most prominent. And these are the things that we should keep in mind. So there is a heretical. It is heretical when the insult to God involves a declaration that is against the faith. As in, for example, if someone said God is cruel and unjust. So that would be a blasphemy. It's also a heresy, but it's also a blasphemy. You both committed heresy and blasphemy at the same time. So you're describing God in a heretical way is actually blasphemous to God. And the, another example is the noblest work of man is God. So to say that man created God, it's like an atheist slogan. That is actually a blasphemy against God. So you committed the sin of blasphemy on top of the sin of heresy when you say things like that. Then there is the, another one. It is imprecatory when it would cry a maldiction upon the supreme being as one might say away with God. So if someone said that you're not committing heresy, but you are still committing blasphemy. You're saying you're committing an imprecatory maldiction. So you have imprecatory prayers and we think of like ejaculations like Jesus have mercy on me or um, I don't know. I'm just my brain went blank all of a sudden on ejaculatory prayers Rudy, blessed be the holy name. Blessed be the holy name. Praise be to Jesus Christ. All these things like that. These are ejaculatory prayers, and you could have ejaculatory maldictions or imprecatory maldictions. So things like away with God. That would be a blasphemy. Uh, thirdly, there is a you can have simple um, contempt, contempt of God. So, for instance, you could say something that is true or completely made up. And it would be a blasphemy against God. For instance, Julian the Apostate was known to say, Thou hast conquered, O Galilean. 
That's a true statement. But he said it out of maldiction. He said it out of contempt. He's mm-hmm. like angry about it. God, you conquered. And so he he's, has hatred in his heart. And so it's a blasphemy. Whereas if I said God conquered, I'm happy about it. I'm saying, yes, amen. Christus vincit. Christ wins. Christ is victorious. And I'm happy about it. But if an apostate, if someone who has hatred for God says Christ conquered, then they're angry about it. That becomes a blasphemy because your intention matters. Intention is very important. So those are three ways and the most common ways in which you can commit the sin of blasphemy. And this, of course, as I mentioned before, can be done against God directly, against the saints, against his religious, against sacred objects, the people who make fun of the rosary, people who make fun of these things. These, these are blasphemies. We need to avoid these. It's very dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. And the malice there, it's just so bad that you can read the saints, like Louis IX. Louis IX hated blasphemy so much that he was known to be the merciful king. That was his title. People called him the merciful king because anytime people would commit crimes against him or insult him or blaspheme against him, he would let them go. He'd be like, okay, it's no big deal. That's whatever. Not a problem. And so he issued a decree across his land saying that blasphemy would be punished in a very clear and very serious way. And because one of his nobles didn't take him seriously, they started blaspheming and he was brought before Louis the ninth and Louis the ninth said, say whatever you want against me, but not against God. And so as an example, he pierced his tongue with an iron rod as a, as a punishment for his crimes. And so too, we see that blasphemy was punished in the civil courts all throughout the world. Even in the United States, there were blasphemy laws in the United States of America across the country it was only until recent times that we see that god gets no respect we see you can make hate crimes you can have all these kind of things you can't say certain things about certain people in college campuses or else you'll get canceled or else you'll get thrown out of school and yet you can say whatever you want against the almighty and this is a grave grave evil so let's make acts of reparation today Today is First Friday. Tomorrow is First Saturday. Let's make it to Holy Mass. Let us pray and do acts of reparation. Pray the rosary. Spend time with our Lord. Console his most sacred heart and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. We can do that today. Join me in doing this. Uh, Next week, I want to pick up on this topic. And instead of talking about the sin of blasphemy, I want to talk about the sweetness of the holy name of Jesus. So today we're talking about the, the bad news. Next week, we're going to talk about the good news of the holy name of Jesus Christ. So we're going to go into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You're going to want to call in right now. That number, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. You could be the caller for our game show, Fear and Trembling. We're giving away a prize today. Today is the day we're giving away a prize. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Hi, Julie Carrick here. I am delighted to be the host of We Sing Our Faith. This weekly program shares beautiful Catholic music and deep insights of many Catholic teachings. Join me on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time for We Sing Our Faith here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, 
Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time, we sing our faith. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. When people ask us about the goal of our family ministry, our answer is simple, world domination. (laughs) Not by having a prolific family, although that's one way to do it, but by simply proclaiming Jesus Christ is the king of every family. This kingship is lived out through love, love between spouses and all family members that flows out of our love for the Lord. Where does this plan for world domination start? Jesus had made it easy by giving us the devotion to his sacred heart. When a family puts the image of the all-loving heart of Jesus in a place of honor within their home, Jesus promised they would receive heavenly graces in abundance, grace that would bring peace to their homes, console them in difficulties, and shed blessings on all their undertakings. All of this just for proclaiming him king of the family. A great day to do this is on June 19th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. To learn more about how to make Christ the king of your home, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we give out prizes and you could be a winner. How do you do so? It's very simple. All you have to do is pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424. And when you do, you will be on the game show. And I have three Catholic trivia game, oh, not the game. I have three Catholic trivia questions to ask. However, the trick is I'm not going to ask you the questions. No, instead, I'm going to ask Rudy the questions. Rudy is going to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me whether or not he's right or whether or not he is wrong. That means that even if you just guess, if you don't know the answers at all, you have a 50-50 chance of getting the answer correct. And we're going to pull out a name today, and we're going to give away that prize. That number, 877-757-9424, and we're going to give away a prize. Rudy, what is that prize? We're giving away... A 2024 Mercedes GLB 250. Just kidding. Not today. We will be giving that away soon. So go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to get yourself a raffle ticket if you're interested in that. Pay it forward for somebody you know. But we're also giving away another prize. And that's our fear and trembling prize. It's going to be a copy of The Priest is Not His Own. And it's uh, compiled by our good friend from the Great White North. Alan Smith. Mm. Alan Smith, our friend, he's on every Thursday. He'll be continuing with us on our new show. And he's going to he's gonna be giving away this book, uh, The Priest is Not His Own. Now, he mentioned to us over several weeks, this is the perfect prize. This is the perfect gift that you can give to a father, a priest, maybe a priest who's never read this before, a father who doesn't, you know, he might get it and say, what? what? I'm not a priest. It speaks about spiritual fatherhood. So that's the prize we're going to be drawing today. And maybe it maybe it's going to be you, dear listener, who gets that prize. Well, there you go. Praise be to God. You could win that prize. A priest not his own. Maybe it would be a great gift for Epiphany. So I think it's a great book. And I, for one, really enjoyed it when I read it. And I cannot recommend it highly enough. 
So praise be to God. Thank you very much to Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today for generously donating that time. BishopSheenToday.com. Check it out. But joining us right now is Gabby. Good morning to you, Gabby. Good morning. And where are you calling in from, Gabby? Beautiful Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. So you're telling me it's not raining in Dallas right now. It's God's love raining down on us. I love to hear it. I love to hear it. That is the positive aspect. Well, as considering it's National Bird Day, I think God's just you know making a bird bath for all the uh, for all the birds out there. So He loves the birds, right? Yes. Right, Rudy. Rudy's like, yeah, I like. He's like, I certainly do. (laughs) He even he gives us he gives us uh, examples using birds. He talks about how you know the sparrows don't have to worry about it. I got them. Mm, I got, so true. I'm taking care of him. Like, I'll even give I'm him a bird bath. Of you. I'm gonna give him a bird bath in Dallas and in Houston <laughs> at the same time. Well, praise be to God, Gabby. Where are you off to this morning? Um, I'm on my way to work. On your way to work in Dallas, Texas. Let's see. Are you going? You're going to a ranch. You're, you're a rancher. Is that what it is? Close. <laughs> Close. What is it? What is the job that you're doing? No, I'm actually a psychotherapist. That is close. It's almost the same thing. It's oh, like man. like eighty percent the same thing. Don't please, ask me to uh, give you the comparison. I, I maybe later. <laughs> please don't psychoanalyze me on air. There you go. There you go. All right, Gabby. Praise be to God. Thank you very much for calling in this morning. And are you familiar with the game? Do you know how to play? Yes. Perfect. Then you know Rudy can be tricky. I heard a rumor that this week he was being a little less tricky but i have yet to see that be true so we're gonna find (laughs) out are you ready to jump in all right let's do it rudy question number one for you the question on the board is to complete the devotion called first fridays requires that the individual do what for nine consecutive first fridays Believe it or not, it's really simple. No way. All you have to do is receive Holy Communion. That's it? Yeah. That's all you got to do. Yeah. All right. If that's what you're saying. All right, Gabby. The question on the board is 15 seconds on the clock to complete the devotion called First Fridays. It requires that the individual do what for nine consecutive First Fridays. What is that? Well, Rudy says it's you just got to receive Holy Communion. What say you, Gabby, from Dallas, Texas? I say that's true. You say that's true. Terms and conditions may apply. (laughs) All right. Let's see. Survey says that is true. It is true. It's pretty simple. Terms and conditions may apply. Terms and conditions may apply. But praise be to God, you go to Mass and you receive Holy Communion and you do it with the intention of making Mm -hmm. reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And that's it. That's all you got to do. It's very simple. And you give amazing promises, graces that are necessary for state and life, peace in the home, comfort in afflictions, and most importantly... They promise to give you all the grace necessary to be saved, to persevere in the end. What a grace. What a grace. A good and holy death. A good and holy death. So I would highly recommend people make that first Friday, especially considering today is first Friday. All right, Gabby, are you ready for question number two? 
I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Question number two for you, Rudy. Question on the board is, who, whom, no, who, who is the patron saint of students? Yeah, we just uh, celebrated her feast day the other no day. No way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sister Wilhelmina, she was really well known for the disciplining of children. You know, okay. legends come up. She used to whip them with rosaries, whip them no with, the, way. with the ruler. That was her. Wow. And they attribute her discipline to other other people. But Sister Wilhelmina, patron saint of students. Okay. All right. 15 seconds on the clock, Abby. The question on the board is, who is the patron saint of students? Rudy seems to think it's Sister Wilhelmina who, according to Rudy, would whip kids with rosaries. She was a disciplinarian. She really knew how to get them kids really to study, (laughs) to remember things. (laughs) All right, Gabby, 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Is he right or is he wrong? Rudy is wrong. (gasps) What? Imagine accusing Rudy of being wrong. All right, we're going to find out. Survey says that is correct. <laughs> the anticipation is killing me. No one, Sister Wilhelmina, didn't whip children with rosaries, Rudy. I didn't mean that, Sister Wilhelmina. I meant the other <laughs> oh, Sister Oh, okay. You're right. The other Sister Wilhelmina. Also, Sister Wilhelmina is not yet a canonized saint. Praise be to God. We'll hope that one day it'll come very soon. But no, the correct answer is St. Thomas Aquinas. My boy. Some my would G. say Tommy. Tommy A, as as Rudy might say. And <laughs> as Rudy alone. <laughs> Rudy alone. No one else in the world calls him Tommy A, but we'll we'll give it to we'll give it to Rudy. But praise be to God. St. Thomas is one of my favorite saints. I went to St. Thomas High School, went to University of St. Thomas, and I have a great devotion to St. Thomas Aquinas. And here's a fun fact. Not only is he a patron saint of students, but he's also the person you pray to to overcome sins against purity. He's oh. one of the patron saints of purity. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yep, yep. All right, Gabby, are you ready for question number three? I am ready. Let's do it. Question number three for your Rudy. The question on the board is, what famous Catholic Spaniard... Man, I love Spaniards. I wish <laughs> I was Spanish. I'm just going to say I'm Spanish. People, know, people won't know. Which famous Catholic Spaniard discovered Florida? Gabby, you've been to Florida, right? If you go to Florida, you notice all the streets. They're named after saints. Mm-hmm. Especially this one. His name is Cabeza de Vaca. Cabeza de Vaca. Cabeza de Vaca was a Spaniard who discovered Florida, and he brought oh, all wow. the Catholics over. All right. 15 seconds on the clock, Gabby. The question on the board is, what famous Catholic Spaniard discovered Florida? Rudy says it was Capesa de Vaca. What say you, Gabby, from Dallas, Texas? Rudy is wrong. Wrong, she says. Man, she's giving me anxiety with her delays. All right, let's see. Survey says... That is correct. She knows the psychology, she right? She's like, I want to pause for a second. Uh-huh. I'm going to make him score. Uh-huh. Well, praise be to God, you are <laughs> correct. It was Ponce de Leon who discovered Florida. And Cabeza de Vaca, he actually was one of the explorers who explored Texas. He was a pretty awesome life, pretty crazy life. And maybe during the after show, I'll tell y'all how he got the name Cabeza de Vaca. A really, really cool story. So Famous man. quote from him is uh, don't wear don't go barefoot in Texas. 
Really? Is that a real no. quote? Okay. Man, <laughs> stop saying these things. You trick me all the time. All right, Gabby. Stay on the line with us. We're going to ha- unleash the drummer boy unleash so that way we can uh, pull a name right now. So, drummer boy, please get going there. Let's see. He's picking up the drumsticks. Uh, he's a he. We, the chains. There we go. We got him. We got him. All right. We're going to draw a name. Uh, thank you, drummer boy. And I appreciate what you're doing. And he already played for Christ, so now he's playing for us today. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Rudy. Pick the. That one right there. This one? Yeah, no, this no, one. no, no, no. This that one? one. That this one. one? Yeah, that Are one. Are you sure? Yeah, that one. Mariano, you finally Mariano. won. Mariano. Praise me to God. Let's go. After uh, 400 tries, you <laughs> finally got your name drawn. <laughs> Praise me to Jesus. Thank you, Christ. drummer boy. Well, thank you very much, Gabby, for calling in today. It was not God's holy will that your name be drawn from the coffee cup of divine providence today. But thank you so much for calling in and be a caller back in the future. God bless you. God love you. And have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you so much. You both work incredibly hard to spread the word, and we're so grateful. Oh, thank, thank you very you. much, thank Gabby. Appreciate I appreciate that. you. All right, that's going to do it. Stick with us if you'd like. Hop on Rumble or Facebook. Just look up Catholic Drive Time, and we'd love to interact with you directly. You can leave a comment, and we will read your comments live. But if you're not going to join us on our social media streams, then we'll see you back here Monday morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. And remember, pay it forward. Go to grnonline.com forward slash raffle to pay it forward and buy a raffle ticket for a brand new car. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas.
the mystery of faith. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John Neumann, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis, our Pope, and Stephen, our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family whom you have summoned before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world. To our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever.
The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy to enter under my roof, but only say the word, my soul shall be healed. who cannot now receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, we offer the following Love. prayer. O Jesus, thou hast given us in the Holy Eucharist thy body and blood to be our spiritual nourishment, through which we may have life everlasting. Would that I were able to receive thee this day in Holy Communion. I desire with all my heart to receive the living bread which comes down from heaven. O Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Say but the word, and my soul shall be healed. Let me taste at least the sweetness of a spiritual communion. Come to me, Jesus, my Lord, my Master. Come and refresh my soul. Strengthen me that in union with thee I may do perfectly the heavenly Father's will. Let me never be separated from thee by sin. Soul of Jesus, sanctify me. Body of Jesus, save me. Blood of Jesus, wash me. Water out of the side of Jesus, purify me. Passion of Jesus, comfort me. O good Jesus, hear me. Hide me within thy sacred wounds. O sacred heart of Jesus, receive me. O immaculate heart of Mary, plead for me and love me. Amen. Father Leonard and Deacon Kelly will now distribute Holy Communion.
Oh.
Let us pray. Refreshed by our participation in the memorial of the death and resurrection of your Son, we ask, O Lord, that by the example of St. John Neumann, we may experience the power of this sacrament and remain constantly in the Church by the bond of unity and truth. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. As I mentioned earlier, uh, the passing of uh, Father Joseph's mother, Rose, if you'd like some more information about her, there was a brief obituary on the franciscanmissionaries.com website. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth. The Mass is ended. Thanks, Thanks be to God.
the angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And the Word was made flesh. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God. Let us pray. Pour forth the UCC, O Lord, and grace into our hearts, that we as the Holy Incarnation of Christ the Son, may we know the message of an angel. May our suspension cross the cross of glory and resurrection. The story of the wise men is among the most beloved in Scripture. It appeals to our sense of adventure and the exotic. It speaks universally to our sense of spiritual quest. But it's richer still, for it's the fulfillment of promises made long before through prophets and Israel's king. Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. An epiphany is an appearance. In this Sunday's readings, with the rising stars, splendid lights, and mysteries revealed, the face of the child born on Christmas Day appears. King Herod in the Gospel asks the chief priests and scribes where the Messiah is to be born. The answer Matthew puts on their lips says much more, combining two strands of Old Testament promise. One, revealing the Messiah to be from the line of David. The other, predicting a ruler of Israel who will shepherd his flock and whose greatness shall reach to the ends of the earth. Those promises of Israel's king ruling the nations resound also in this Sunday's psalm. The psalm celebrates David's son Solomon. His kingdom, will sing, will stretch to the ends of the earth, and the world's kings will pay him homage. That's the scene also in our first reading, as nations stream from the east, bearing gold and frankincense for Israel's king. The Magi's pilgrimage in the gospel marks the fulfillment of God's promises. For the Magi, probably Persian astrologers, are following the star that Balaam predicted would rise, along with the ruler's staff over the house of Jacob. Laden with gold and spices, their journey evokes those made to Solomon by the queen of Sheba and the kings of the earth. Interestingly, the only places where frankincense and myrrh are mentioned together are in the songs about King Solomon. One greater than Solomon is here, however, and he has come to reveal that all peoples are now co-heirs with the royal family of Israel, as St. Paul teaches us in this Sunday's epistle. 
His manifestation forces us to choose. Will we follow the signs that lead to Him as the wise Magi did? Or will we be like those priests and scribes who let God's words of promise become dead letters on an ancient page? This is Scott Hawk for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535. This is the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Well, we're not too far away from the first weekend of the year. Sunday is the Epiphany of the Lord. I'm Tom Gray. Welcome to EWTN Radio. Let's begin our Friday together with Catholic Connection and guest host Vanessa Denagarmo. That'll be next. We have more to life to follow with Dr. and Lisa Popchak. Today, their topic will be anger issues. At 11, it's Women of Grace with John Ed Williams. Then at noon, we'll bring you Take Two with Jerry and Debbie. It's so Look Back Friday with Dr. Ray Garendi at 1. Then comes Call to Communion with Dr. and David Anders. We have Open Line coming your way at 3 Eastern. And at 4, it's Al Cresta with Cresta in the Afternoon. Today, a look back at the biggest science stories of 23. At 6, we make way for Cy Kellett and Catholic Answers Live. Today's program will be a Q&A open forum. At 8 p.m. Eastern, tune in as bishops from around the world react to Pope Francis's document on blessings. And Dr. Joseph Capesi, who happens to be the first lay dean of theology at the Catholic University of America. It's all on EWTN News In-Depth with Monse Alvarado at 8 Eastern. Now comes today's piece of wisdom from our foundress, Mother Angelica. The penance of this age is to be faithful to your duties in your state of life. Make the most of your Friday and weekend, too, and make sure that God is involved with everything that you do. is a